you're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. On this podcast, we're going to talk about Pastor Rick Scarborough going after Christmas, right-wing commentator Josh Bernstein apparently finding an in with a congressman, a bizarre anti-theist rant from the wife of Kevin Sorbo, Sam Sorbo. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Mary from North Carolina. And I always love how you say, you know, you can have a conversation with a conservative. You might not think they're right, but conservatism isn't necessarily a problem. It's conspiracies and stuff. I was just wondering what you think of kind of the trend that, you know, most conservative-leaning families, if their child rebels, they end up liberal. But you very rarely hear of a child of liberal parent rebelling by going conservative. And I was just wondering if you would articulate what you think the reasoning behind that is. Because I think it's a real interesting topic. Thanks. Love the channel. Uh, Best wishes to you guys through the holiday season. Bye-bye. Yeah, I appreciate it. Actually, I have a counterexample to that in... Kylie's family on her mom's side, Kylie's great-grandmother is very liberal. She's super left-wing, and she watches MSNBC and CNN, you know, mainstream media stuff. Uh, She's been liberal since day one, basically. Her husband was a union worker for the railroad, and unions were traditionally Democrat. They always voted Democrat. And so he did too. And so did she. It was a Democrat family. Not a liberal family, not a leftist family, but a Democrat family. Uh, Which, you know, is better than nothing. I'll take it. Uh, They're not extremists or any of that stuff, so that's a plus. But Kylie's cousins, they actually lived with her and their dad. They all lived in the same big house. And they are full-blown Trump supporters, both of them. I just, I think, They're terrible. I don't want to get into it too deep. But yeah, they're just awful. And they are deep, deep Trump supporters. So right there would be a counterexample. I think if we took a look at the data, we could find actual trend lines and find out the accuracy of that. I'm not really sure. It's possible that it's more common for people in left-wing families to come out of it right-wing. I don't know. But there is a resurgence of right-wing extremism and fascism right now uh, taking place in America, and actually, I think worldwide it's taking place. So somewhere along the line, more people are turning far-right fascist or authoritarian than they are moving to the left. That's a concerning trend that I hope to reverse. Hey, Owen, it's Miles from Arizona. Uh, You know, I'm curious, which of the Trumpian evangelical hate preachers is the most hateful and most extreme. If I had to pick one, I'd go with Greg Locke. But what about you? Yeah, that's really all. Uh, Keep up your work, man. Yeah, appreciate it. That's a really interesting question. You got to realize, I watch some of the underground people, so... (laughs) But I'll I'll name one you probably recognize. I would say Stephen Anderson, probably from the Faithful Word Baptist Church. I would 
I would say probably him or anybody from his group, Tommy McMurtry and Matt Adair and others. There are a whole bunch from his kind of congregation or whatever that are very, very, very toxic. Also, Matt Powell, is that his name? I think his name is Matt Powell. Matt Powell is another one that's real vindictive and just spews toxic bile at people for seemingly no reason. He just hates speech and slurs and all just the whole nine yards. It gets real, real ugly. So I would say those two people are up there. Those three people. I'll say Steven Anderson, Tommy McMurtry, and Matt Powell. Those are my three top worst hate preachers of all time. Greg Locke is bad too, and I think he holds the same beliefs as those people, but I think he may curb it a little bit, or or maybe he just focuses on subjects that aren't as... I get, you know, Steven Anderson focuses more on homosexuality. Greg Locke obviously doesn't like the LGBT community, but he mostly focuses on conspiracy theories rather than hating gay people, so... There, that may be the disconnect. Maybe Greg Locke is equally as, as vile. He just doesn't touch on those subjects as often. That's a possibility. Hey, this is John from Virginia. I've been wondering, in your videos, you mention a lot about Fox News and other kind of Republican outlets propagandizing to people. How much have you thought about their underlying motivations and whether it's more about just pushing their agenda or whether specifically in the case of Fox News it might be about the monetary gain that they might get more money from pushing people further to extremism thanks love the show yeah I appreciate it well that's the thing isn't it um I think that Fox News started out as 100% in the beginning People who were just in it for the money or just trying to push the country further to the right to try to move the Overton window further to the right, which is the window of acceptable public discourse. There was a a period in time where saying that we should have, you know, AK-47s on every street corner was unacceptable. That was ridiculous. Nobody would want that. But now it seems to be unacceptable to discuss any kind of gun reform of any sort. That was largely the doing of Fox News and the leadership there over the past 40 years or so. Maybe I I would be willing to say maybe even over the past 50 years, that's what Fox News has been doing, trying to move the Overton window over further. That's what happens when an extremist group gets louder. It moves the window of acceptable public discourse closer to the extremist group. It it will certainly not get all the way to where they want it to be, but it'll get it a hell of a lot closer. And Fox News accomplished that. Now, here's the real issue with what's happened. When Fox News started, it was 100% people trying to do that. Now, I don't think that's the case. I think Fox News has real die-hard, true believers on their staff. I, I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene is playing an act. I think she believes this shit to the bottom of her heart. We have screenshots of her discussing QAnon-related stuff on her Facebook page and wherever else, other places. I think she's a true believer. And now that we have true believers working at Fox News as anchors or as congressmen or whatever, that's the the even scarier part. 
the grifters don't have to push the grift anymore. It's taken on a life of its own. That's fucking scary. Alma Tadero Copeland was shaking, angry, smiling because he was on camera and was not able to tell her off as he would have done it if there was no one there. You said that you don't like to fly commercial because you don't want to get into a tube with a bunch of demons. Do you really believe that human beings are demons? No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. People, I love people. Jesus loves people. But people get pushed Oh, yeah. And actually, the following week, he went to his church and gave a sermon. And in that sermon, he talked shit about Inside Edition and that woman that interviewed him for like five straight minutes. I edited the clip down to show it on one of my podcasts, but I didn't actually end up using it for anything. It's in my edited clips somewhere. One of these days, I may show it. I, I would have to go in search of it now. Actually, i tell you what, fuck it. Why don't I see if I can find it real quick? I'm going through every single Copeland video I have here. Or clip. The media. Brother Copeland, I was. There are. So what do you mean the I? The. So we, we came in and sat down and they came out and a per person came out and said, uh, are you Kenneth Copeland in your, in your group? We, I said, yes. Um. Would you come with me? Uh, the Mr. Cash would like to see you. Johnny Cash. Okay. And he didn't say, hello, how are you? He said, will you guys pray for me? I'm telling you, my knees are hurting me so bad. Uh, effectively bragging about how high profile and important he is and how great he is, so on and so forth. That's his personality. Not really the type of personality you'd expect to see in a man of God, but here we are. This was part of the clip that I was talking about. Why, wow, Brother Copeland, you, you own a $45 million airplane. Yeah, but you don't know what I paid for it. Nowhere near that. But it's the same airplane. <laughs> That's part of the clip. There was like a longer five-minute section to it, but this is bad enough, dude. Seriously? You're, you're seriously putting your hands in a Mr. Burns, like, kind of shape here and smiling, got this shit-eating grin on your face, talking about how expensive your plane was and how great of a deal you got on it. Come on, man. <laughs> and Gloria designed a new interior for it. Sonny boy. <laughs> and a lot of you partners put us in it. But she didn't know that. I don't think that makes it better, bro. I don't think that makes it any better, honestly. I really don't. I'm sorry. I think it's still pretty fucking bad, and I'm blown away that you don't see that. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Rick Scarborough going after Christmas. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
The first story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Rick Scarborough. Now, I talked about this guy forever ago on my podcast. Maybe last year, maybe the year before, I don't remember. But the reason I was talking about him was because he came out and said some pretty hateful stuff about Christmas and Santa. Actually, it says here, late December 2020 is when this... Uh, clip came out that he made. So yeah, I covered him last year, I guess. Talking shit about Santa is absolutely grotesque and unacceptable, so I have to criticize him for that. So I figured we'd give this a listen so I could reintroduce you to this guy because he's had some other horrific things to say fairly recently. And it being around Christmas time, it seems like a good time to revisit it anyway. So give this clip a listen. Came out late December, 2020. Some interesting facts about Santa to consider. First, his name is spelled with the exact same letters that spell Satan. Coincidence? Perhaps. Except I do not believe that anything with God is accidental or coincidental. I love this train of logic. So this guy is saying there's nothing accidental or coincidental when it comes to God. That is a perfect justification for extremism. Sometimes I analyze groups or people on something called the bite model. I've talked about the bite model many times, but it's this model that we use to evaluate if something is a cult or not, right? It's an acronym that stands for behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. The four ways in which cults control their members. It was written by Stephen Hassan. Forever ago, I actually added something to the bite model. I added a point to it. And the point that I added was called putting a high level of importance on seemingly trivial events or ideas. Let me give you an example. Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate Christmas because they believe it has pagan origins and they want nothing to do with quote-unquote paganism. They won't even buy a snow globe during the Christmas season because they don't want to contribute to Big Christmas, the Christmas industry. They don't want their money going to it. That is how seriously they take it. Obviously, this guy is putting the same type of emphasis on Christmas. Here's the issue. When he says there are no coincidences when it comes to God, that basically gives him free reign to point to any little thing that he sees and say, this is Satan. It basically gives him an excuse to toss logic and reason completely out the window. And that should be concerning. Watching somebody come up with excuses and explanations for why they don't need to use logic anymore or why they don't need reason in this specific situation, that should be concerning. Saying that Santa is an anagram for Satan and there are no coincidences with God, that may seem little, but it's not. It's an indication of an underlying issue that, when applied to other things, turns out to be a little bit bigger than it seems on the surface. Let's keep listening. Perhaps you're thinking, well, preacher, you're way up too tight about this. Well, just continue to listen. And let's think it through. I don't think it's about being too uptight. I think it's about the fact that he just found the perfect justification to throw reason and logic right out the window when it comes to religion. You have to keep things within reason. You have to keep your head. You, ha you can't just go neck deep into this thing. You have to use logic and reason in everything that you do, or you will go completely off the wall. 
And guess what? That's exactly what happened with this guy. And let's think it through. Secondly, Santa is given all the attributes of God. He is omniscient. He knows everything that every child is doing. He's omnipresent, allowing him to be in every store simultaneously around the world in a single night. And he's omnipotent. There's no toy that he cannot create and provide out of thin air if he decides the child is worthy of it. It's just a fun little childhood story. Nothing more. It's fantasy. Why are you so wound up about this? I have to wonder if the reason that he seems to be so upset about this hinges on the idea that Santa is an anagram for Satan. The same letters can be found in both words. I'm wondering if that's like the linchpin to this whole idea that got him started down this road, and he started picking out every thing, every little item that he saw that could point to Santa actually being Satan. I'm wondering if that's how this guy's thought process went. The only problem with this is it's all a lie. And that allows for a transition to the most indicting part of the Santa myth. The entire case for Santa is built upon a works foundation. He's keeping a list of who's naughty and nice, and he checks it twice. And only if a child is truly deserving according to their works do they merit the gift or gifts they requested teaching a works system. This is antithetical to the gospel narrative. I love it when people basically read lyrics verbatim in a monotone voice. That is endlessly entertaining. He has a list and he checks it twice. Yeah, um, I find that really fascinating what he was saying there. It's a works-based system. I guess that's in conflict with his belief system that salvation can be achieved by grace and grace alone. I think that's what the Bible says about it. But here's the interesting thing about the Bible. If you have a pre-existing idea or belief, you can justify it with a Bible verse. The Bible is full of contradictions from beginning to end. If you want the Bible to say something, you can find a justification for it. It's a gigantic book, a collection of 66, in fact, written across thousands of years by dozens of authors, and it doesn't make any moral declarations that aren't reversed a chapter later. The authors that supposedly wrote it, first of all, we don't even know who they were. People claim Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, but the first five books of the Bible detail Moses' death so he couldn't have been the one to, to write it. And aside from that fact, there is no evidence that Moses was even a real person. This isn't like a mythicist type of, oh, we don't know if Jesus was real or not kind of thing. This is like Moses played a massive role in history, so we should see evidence that the guy was there, and there is none. I mean, he was supposed to be close to the king, right? He was supposed to be close to the pharaoh of Egypt. He was supposed to be close to the royal family. There were giant events that took place. Tons of chariots lost to the parting of the Red Sea and everything else. We should see something. And there is nothing for Moses. Thus, I say Moses wasn't even a real person. So the fact is, the Bible is nonsense. It, there is no reason to trust what it says, and if you come up with a moral imperative like this guy right here, that faith is enough to get you out through Armageddon, 
not works, if you come up with some hard belief about the Bible like that, it's pretty easy to contradict, honestly. There is a verse in the Bible that says, salvation can be achieved through grace, but not by works. And then there's another verse that says, faith without works is dead. There is a verse to support his view and a verse to support the other view. So which is it? It's whichever you want it to be. It's whichever you believe it to be. The Bible is impossible to not cherry pick. And that's what we're watching right here. This guy is cherry picking a verse that is literally impossible to not cherry pick. That's not where the craziness ends with this guy. Late October 2021, he released another video. I'm not sure exactly where he is or who he's talking to. I think he's talking to a PTA meeting at a local school. You'll see why I think that in a minute. Let's give this one a listen. Again, late October 2021. And our goal is to get 2,000 pastors who will be patriot pastors in Texas once again. Our goal is to get 2,000 pastors who will be patriot pastors in Texas once again. Who will take over their local school boards, not take it over, but the Christians in offices, teach their people that they should run for those local offices. And if they get excited about that, we'll sweep right through every election coming up. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a Christ So this guy is basically telling us he wants pastors to run in school board elections. In my opinion, it seems like the school board election is kind of the lowest election on the totem pole, right? Like, it's one of the lowest occupations that you really have to run for in an election. But it is extremely influential and important. And they know that. Basically... Every elected position is extremely influential and important. So Republicans, or Christocrats as he calls himself, have been doing their best to fill every empty slot in every single election in the entire country. That should be concerning to us. And I'll show you why in a minute. You think you've heard some weird ideas from this guy so far? Just wait. I'm a follower of Jesus. With God's help, we're going to try to shake Texas up and move her back to bright red as people vote whole life, whole family, and get this crap out of our schools. They are desperately trying to control the country, and they have the enthusiasm and the zeal and the extremism that it takes to never, ever stop. If you are capable of running for office, do it. You need to do it. Find a slot that you can fill in local office positions, in local elections, and fill it. If there isn't an election post, an elected job that you could do, then find a spot on an election board or as an election worker or something. You absolutely have to. We need more people getting involved in this. Because if you don't, this guy is going to fill in for you. Seriously. Get on it. Anyways, like I said, this guy's kind of strangeness doesn't end there. Check this clip out. This is from 2015. Give this a listen. The AIDS epidemic was still being called GRIDS in 1992, and I had been researching that new epidemic. Before we continue on, I just want to make note of something here. I found out exactly what he was talking about with this GRIDS thing. What the fuck is GRIDS, right? Uh, it's not GRIDS. It is GRID. That's what it 
That's what it actually is. GRID stood for gay-related immune disorder. That's what it stood for. The scientists who discovered it and were originally studying it named it that because it came in affecting the LGBT community, LGBTQ community. Eventually, they renamed it to HIV AIDS once they actually understood it more fully. Uh, it wasn't even that long before they renamed it, but hate preachers like Rick Scarborough, for example, this guy right here, he decided to continue to call it GRID because he wanted to drive home the point that it's a gay disease, quote-unquote. He wanted to make sure that nobody ever forgot that, especially in this scene. What he's trying to do is blame it on a godless world, blame it on sinners. Let's keep listening. Because I believed as I do today, and rest assured, if I'm being monitored, as I often am when I speak, this is the only thing they'll carry on the website, People for the American Way, from this speech. People for the American Way is basically the old version of Right Wing Watch, so he's talking about Right Wing Watch here, pretty much. And he was correct. Why would Right Wing Watch start posting clips of a pastor just talking about Jesus? Why do they give a shit? Their whole goal, as well as my goal, is to document the decline of America into right-wing extremist religious fascism, pretty much. This channel that I run is all about the melding of church and state, trying to keep track of it and document it and talk about it, talk about why it's bad, why it's undesirable. Why the fuck would anybody want to document you just talking about Jesus? Nobody gives a shit if you talk about Jesus. What we give a shit about is you getting involved in politics. That's why we even do what we do, myself and Right Wing Watch and others that cover this stuff. What a ridiculous thing to say in the first place. Let's keep listening. I believe that grids was God's judgment on a sinful generation. I mean, I don't apologize for that. Is it an unforgivable sin? Of course not. In fact, I believe God would probably give us the cure for AIDS today if we put our foot down and said, we no longer tolerate this. We're not going to fund it with health care. We're going to hold you accountable. Wait, why would we need a cure for it if we quote-unquote put our foot down and stopped funding it with health care? He's essentially saying we want to send people into the woods to just die and be done with it, right? Why would anybody need a cure for it if we're not going to treat it anyways? What a terrible, horrific thing to believe. And the fact that he believes it so fervently is truly terrifying the fact that there are people out there today i mean this is 2015 that's not that long ago people out there today who really believe this shit who have such a superiority complex that they think this is the best way to do it these people don't deserve to live that's how he feels he feels these people don't deserve to live so we should stop funding it stop helping them cut off their health care and just let them wander off into the woods and die Back in the medieval era when the Catholic Church ran things, that was originally the idea behind excommunication. You do something the church doesn't like, guess what? You can't buy groceries, can't buy food from your neighbor, you can't go into town, you can't take your kid to a classroom, you can't do shit because you've been excommunicated. Now nobody will talk to you, nobody will rent to you, nobody will sell anything to you. You get to wander into the woods and die alone. 
That was the idea behind excommunication. And I get the idea that's how this guy feels about the LGBT community. He wants that to take place. That's kind of the goal. I mean, that that's what I'm reading from him here. That's what it seems like he's saying. He's saying cut off their health care, put your foot down, stop supporting them, stop trying to help them in any way. It's fucking disgusting, honestly. I believe if we started repenting across this country, some sharp, probably Christian or Jewish researcher would find the AIDS cure. Because God's a God of grace, they may find it anyway. Why would we expect some probable Christian or Jewish researcher to find it? Why couldn't it be a Muslim researcher? Why couldn't it be a Buddhist researcher or an atheist researcher? It's not really actually that strange when you realize where this guy's coming from, when you recognize the perspective that he's looking at this stuff from. He's looking at this from a Christian nationalist perspective, a Christian supremacist perspective. He believes he is superior, inherently, to every other religious group or minority of any sort because he is a Christian. You can go pretty far with Christian supremacy, too, or, or, or Christian nationalism. The idea is that the U.S. should be controlled and inhabited entirely by Christians. If you aren't a Christian, you don't belong here. And it, it gets progressively more extreme depending on how deep the rabbit hole you go. There are some Christian nationalists who believe they just want to convert everybody to Christianity in an ideal world and fill government seats with Christians and only Christians. Then there are some who believe that we should deport anybody who's not a Christian, send them to another country. And then there are some who believe that they should go a more violent way with it. It's hard to tell which one this guy is, but I would be willing to bet that he'd take any solution. He's already said that he's willing to accept a certain number of deaths if it gets him what he wants. So that alone should be concerning to us. Guy has some really, really wacky ideas about Christmas, and we can laugh at them, and I do. I think it's hilarious and ridiculous. But um, first and foremost, we should remember this guy is getting into our school boards and trying to replace people with Christocrats, and he's also doing his best to make sure there are a maximum number of fatalities as a result of a quote-unquote godless world or quote-unquote godless sinners. When we come back, we're going to talk about right-wing commentator Josh Bernstein apparently finding an in with a congressman. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I want to talk about is about a guy named Josh Bernstein. I've talked about him a few times before. In fact, I think the last time I talked about him was late September, around the time that this clip that we're about to watch came from. So I wanted to introduce you to him or reintroduce you to him because it's been a while since I talked about him and there's some new information, some new clips that just came out about him. He's basically a far 
far right wing commentator. He's like a political commentator and he's also extremely religious and he has some very very disturbing views about the other side, how what he calls the other. He obviously has an us versus them mentality to a disturbing degree, which you'll come to see in a minute. Let's give this clip a watch. Everything, folks, is on the line. Everything. Now, I will end it with this. If God forbid they figure out how to steal this election, the only thing that's going to save this country is revolution. And trust me, it will happen. Uh, there's no question about it. And when it happens, we will have a new America. Yes, there will be blood spilled, unfortunately, but they're bringing it upon us. That one may actually be from before the election. Based on the context, I think it was. I thought for sure it was from September, but anyways. Obviously, the guy has a violent streak in him that he desperately wants to let out. And sadly, he has a pretty fucking big audience. Although, he was kicked off of a bunch of social media networks recently, including but not limited to Patreon. They kicked his ass off. He was on Roku and everything. He had like his own Roku app. Seriously, you open your Roku, you know, the streaming box thing, and right there is an app that says, I don't remember what it's called, uh, Josh Bernstein Uncensored or whatever, the Josh Bernstein Show. I don't remember what the name of it was. But anyways, he had his own Roku app. He was making fat stacks. Seriously. This guy's not a nobody. And then he got kicked off of all these platforms similar to Alex Jones. And, just like Alex Jones, created his own website with a membership program. And you have to pay like a dollar to watch his shows now on his, like behind his paywall. Which is actually a really good idea. If he has an audience of, you know, 500,000 or... So I'm guessing that's roughly what it is, 500,000. And only 50,000 of them follow over to a dollar per month subscription. One-tenth of your audience follows you over. That is so much fucking money. 50 grand a month if it's just a dollar per person. That is a lot of fucking money. So needless to say, he's extremely popular and he has some extremely disturbing views to spread to the world. And I think he's doing just fine now, despite the fact that he's been kicked off of most platforms. Anyway, let's listen to the next clip. I just want to give you a clear idea of exactly who this guy is. This was from late October 2020. Check it out. They steal this from Trump. Trust me on that. OK, yeah. if they steal this from Trump, there's 65 plus million Americans thirsting for revenge. And let me say this. To the hard left Marxists out there, to the Antifa, to the Black Lives Matter, to the left wing groups that are funding him, to the right wing watches, to all those people out there, we are ready, willing, and able to do what we have to do to protect this nation and to make sure that this country is never going to be a communist nation. And if it's an us versus situation, trust me, it's going to be them, not us. Right. It should never be viewed as like an us versus them type of situation. Holy shit, man. This guy's us versus them mentality is just a disturbing sight to behold. And what was it, what was going on in the background with this guy grunting and stuff? What was that? Able to do it. Why is this dude grunting? Holy shit, I can't believe I scrolled like randomly into the middle of this clip and 
just so happened to be right at the grunt. Anyways, uh, let me get back to the beginning of this one because I wanted to point something else out. Hold on. Trust me on that, okay? Yeah. If they steal this from Trump, there's 65-plus million Americans thirsting for revenge. Yeah, 65-plus million Americans. This is before the election actually took place, before the voting took place. I find it super interesting that he pegged 65 million as roughly the number of people who are going to be voting for Trump. That may be because that's roughly how many Trump got in the previous election. I'm not really sure, but either way, this guy went on to claim that Donald Trump got like 100 million votes or some ridiculous nonsense. Those 65 million voters that he was referencing, those people aren't die-hard Trump supporters to the bottom of their hearts like this guy is. These people are not ready to commit violence or whatever, like this guy is, like he's encouraging. Those are just average, everyday, run-of-the-mill voters who go to the voting booth, check the box, and hand the thing in, and then go back to their day job, and that's about it. So he's vastly over-representing the size of the movement, of his extremist movement. But I don't want you guys to think that I'm downplaying the power that it has. Have you ever heard of the Three Percenters movement? It's this group, it's, it's a group of extremists, the Three Percenters, far-right activists who believe that it would only take 3% of the country to mobilize, to take it over in a fascist takeover essentially. So if there are like 325 million people in the U.S. right now, multiply that by 3%, that gets you to about a million people, give or take. I think the U.S.'s standing army is only 1 million to 1.5 million, somewhere in there. So if they actually did mobilize 3% of the country, that may actually be all that it would take to really wreck things, not to mention the fact that they'd be taking some of them from the U.S.'s military. I don't want you guys to think there's no bite behind this guy's bark. It is something we should be concerned about. But he is one of the more kind of out there in la-la land types of people. I just wanted to give you an idea of who he was before we continued on and saw the next clips. Check this next one out. This came out early September 2021. He actually has a solution to resolve the issue as he views it with the Democrats. Give this a listen. I think that we should have a permanent ban on delivering goods and services into big, blue, dominant, liberal cities in America. I think that the truckers should boycott big, blue cities in California, New York, and Chicago, and, you know, in Houston, and, you know, everywhere else that, you know, Detroit, anywhere where there are tons of registered Democrats, and I would do it, honestly, by zip code. So in other words, I'm sure these groups that are forming can get a hold of voter registrations in some of these big cities and cities that are dominated with Democrats. We need to squeeze them dry. You get nothing. You get nothing delivered. You get no food. You get no shelter. You get no water. You get no supplies. You get nothing until this illegal administration, this treasonous dictatorship steps down. They're not supposed to be there in the first place because they stole their power. They did not earn their power. People did not vote for these scumbags. 
and therefore they are illegitimate. That is so far into delusion, I don't even know where to go with it. Not only is it completely delusional, and I do not use that word lightly, not only is it completely delusional, but it's fucking dangerous to talk about this. This guy is, is essentially saying he wants to basically take political office back for the Republicans or take out the Democrats in the process. That's basically what he wants, right? Am I reading this correctly? That's fucking concerning. And this guy is not a nobody. He has a gigantic show. People listen to him. I do find it kind of amusing, though, that he's got this idea that he's going to basically starve out Democrat cities, where in reality, the Democrat cities, as he's calling them, are subsidizing the Republican cities. Uh, all of the rural areas in the U.S. are being fed tax money and food and all of this economic growth and stability by the big cities that are controlled by Democrats. Isn't that interesting? This guy has no idea how much his life really does hinge on the success of Democrat cities. Quote unquote. Check this one out. This is mid-December 2021. This one is a newer clip. Give it a watch. Trump won a landslide, okay? It was 410 electoral votes to 128, if you want to know exactly the numbers. Where did he come up with that? What was it? 410 to 128? It was 410 electoral votes to 128. Wow. Okay. Where did he get those numbers from, I'm wondering? Which states did he claim for Donald Trump? Do you think he moved California over to Donald Trump on his little electoral map? I bet he did. Every time I watch, like, the most extreme of the most extreme political commentators on the right, for some reason they have this weird obsession with the idea that Donald Trump won California secretly, but the Democrats in California took the state back for Biden or some other nonsense. I don't know what their obsession is with California. Not just that, but Donald Trump during the election said, New York is in play. We're going to win New York. Yeah, fucking right. You cannot be serious. These states are packed with people who vote blue traditionally. There is basically a 0% chance of these states going red at this point. It's 60, 65, 70% blue. There's no chance of it. But just keep on living in that delusion. Again, I don't say that word lightly. The people that I look at are seemingly disconnected from reality, and I don't know what to do with them. Like, I don't know where to go with this. Like, how do we grapple with this bizarre fucking belief system, this bizarre ideology that they seem to have adopted? Let's keep listening. It was 410 electoral votes to 128, if you want to know exactly the numbers, okay? Yep. He absolutely crushed it in his second term. They just kept him from being able to serve, all right? No, no, give me evidence for this. If you're making a claim, give me some evidence. All the evidence is on my side of the table here. You have nothing to back up what you're claiming, nothing. If you have evidence of voter fraud or whatever, bring it to a court, sue somebody over it. If you have evidence, show it. Show it to somebody. I'm not seeing it on screen anywhere. Bottom line, Arizona, he won by a minimum of 400,000 votes. He won Georgia by a minimum 
of 200,000 votes, probably even more than that. Uh, New Hampshire, he won by 125,000 to 150,000 votes. Wisconsin, he won by 200,000 minimum in Wisconsin. And Michigan, he won by at least 350 to 400,000 votes. And of course, Pennsylvania, he won by at least 750,000 to as many as over a million votes. Clearly, this was a landslide victory. Where is he even getting this? Where did he get those numbers from? Is there something to back this up? Anything at all? Is there some documentation? Is there some expert coming out and explaining how you got to those numbers? Are you just making them up? I mean, a lot of the time he was saying at least blah, blah, blah. He wasn't giving us an exact number. So he's just estimating, I assume? Trump won by at least blah, 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 up to a million? Why use that kind of verbiage if you're not just fucking guessing? It's just bizarre. This whole thing is fucking bizarre. Anyway, this next clip comes out early November 2021, so shortly before the last clip we watched. Give this a listen. I believe that Glenn Youngkin won his race somewhere between 20 and 30 points. Okay, a little context on this. Glenn Youngkin was the gubernatorial candidate for the Republicans in Virginia. So he was running for governor against the Democrats, and he won. He actually did. He won by just a couple of points. It was a very narrow margin, and it was a hard-fought battle, but he did win by just a couple of points. So uh, now Josh Bernstein's going to come in and tell us why Youngkin actually won by a lot more than we think he did. Let's give it a listen. But I believe that Glenn Youngkin won his race somewhere between 20 and 30 points. And the only way I can prove that is if he does a forensic audit. Okay, for the record, I don't deal in beliefs or ideas or opinions. I deal in facts and logic. I guess I espouse my opinion on the show, but it's I try to base it on facts and logic. This guy has made it clear that he has some beliefs that can't be proven without this thing happening that is absolutely never going to happen. So I guess we're at an impasse now. I don't believe you. Prove it. Give me some evidence, anything at all. Until you give me evidence, I have no reason to believe a word out of your mouth. I can prove that is if he does a forensic audit, which he should do because he's worth a ton of money. So he could pay for it himself. He doesn't need the Patriots. He doesn't need anyone else in Virginia to do it. He can do it himself. Yeah, I don't know how much money uh, Youngkin has, but do you have any idea how much it costs to do a recount, especially like a full-blown forensic audit? It costs a lot of fucking money, millions of dollars, millions. A lot of Youngkin's money is probably tied up in um, is probably tied up in stocks and bonds and stuff. He can't just liquidate that shit and spend it like on the spot. He would have to spend time selling off his stocks and transferring it, paying taxes on it because he hasn't paid taxes on unrealized gains. So the moment he sells all that stock, he has significantly less than he did before he sold it. The dude probably doesn't have anywhere near as much as Josh Bernstein seems to believe he does. And on top of that, I'm not even sure why somebody would spend their own money on an audit anyways. He's the governor. He can just push for a forensic audit. But again, why would he? 
He won the election by a, a narrow margin. What evidence or reason would he have to push for an audit for an election that he won anyways? Himself. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Josh, he won. Why do you care? Because we need forensic audits on every race moving forward. Why? Because I can tell you right now that in 2020, 300,000 votes just miraculously appeared for Joe Biden in the middle of the night. Not true. They were counting and they did push through a bunch, a couple hundred thousand votes for Joe Biden. But guess what? Donald Trump got votes added to his tally simultaneously. They were both getting votes added to their counts. Joe Biden didn't just get 300,000 out of nowhere and Donald Trump stayed at zero. That's not how it worked. There's a system called Decision Desk HQ, I think. It's a website. And they have this API, right? An API is like a, a program that interacts with a database and a website. It pulls information from a database and it sends it to the website so that you can view it. E essentially, in layman's terms, that's what this API was doing. And there was a, a weird error on the API that displayed, or maybe on the front end of the website, that displayed a number incorrectly and made it look like Biden had more votes than he actually did have, but the data in the database was uncorrupted and correct. All they had to do was fix the little error on decision desk that was showing the data, and it was fixed just like that. The count was always accurate, it just wasn't being displayed accurately at that moment because of some weird programmatical error. That is the only event that anybody can point to that was even remotely questionable about when the voting was happening. There was nothing like big ballot dumps that came at three in the morning of 300,000 votes and Trump got none added to his roster. That's not how it happened. That's just complete bullshit. But he believes it. Of course, he believes it. Big surprise. Joe Biden in the middle of the night, which took the lead away from Trump. Trump won Virginia square and fair and by a lot. Virginia has traditionally been um, a mostly Democratic stronghold. In recent years, it's been like a swing state going back and forth. But Biden pretty clearly won Virginia. There's really no question about that. Glenn Youngkin probably won by 20 to 30 points. Okay, you can say that as much as you want. Glenn Youngkin won by 20 to 30 points. You can say that until you're blue in the face, but it doesn't make it true, and it doesn't mean you just provided us with any evidence, so I'm really not sure where to go from here. I feel like I've made my point with this guy and where his head is at, and like I said, he's got a reasonably big show. I guess he's not on Roku anymore, as far as I know, or on Patreon or YouTube or whatever else, but he's still influential as you'll see in a minute. Check this clip out. This is from mid-December 2021. So I was out at a Christmas party on Saturday night, and it was a lot of fun, and Andy Biggs was there. Andy Biggs is a congressman, U.S. congressman Andy Biggs. I've met him before. Uh, we got a chance to talk uh, in private just for a few minutes, and I had the opportunity to kind of tell him a little bit briefly about my idea for the contract from big government. So, of course, we uh, exchanged uh, phone numbers and all that, and I'm going to reach out with him. And recently he told me that he was talking to President Trump. So this is a very good connection, obviously, having Congressman Andy Biggs, who's close to President Trump. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to try to work with him 
on legislation. Uh, I've got a lot of really good ideas, and if I can get it in front of him, he can then bring it to the rest of the Freedom Caucus, and who knows what can happen from there. But each and every day, I am always coming up with ways to help make this country better, and I will now be able to share those ideas directly with a member of Congress. He has ideas to make the country better, quote-unquote, as he says. What were his ideas about making the country better? I seem to remember something about squeezing Democrat cities dry, basically boycotting them so they can't get any food or water or anything into the city to feed people, right? Something like that. I guess those are the types of ideas that he intends to send to a congressman and possibly as far as Donald Trump. Those are the ideas he has to make this country better. Get rid of Democrats completely. Not the politicians, the people. Get rid of them. That is fucking disturbing. So he just went from having a moderately sized news commentary show to having a connection to a congressman. He has more influence than I'm honestly comfortable with, and we should be keeping a close eye on it. Taylor Morgan, people like Josh Bernstein need to be deplatformed and banned from power, or barred from power, I'm sorry. He largely has been deplatformed. He has. Um, at this point, he's got his own website, but you can't really do much about that. You know, it's essentially like the internet version of standing on a street corner, and, you know, that's freedom of speech, baby, as long as he's not saying anything that directly incites violence, which is debatable. Maybe he is, in which case maybe he should go to jail for that. I, I don't know. But at any rate, he has been deplatformed in large part. Patriot of the West heard the boycott argument before it never happens. Yeah, honestly, if truckers boycotted, they just get fired from their jobs and then they'd hire new people that would do it. You know, when there's a vacuum like that, inevitably the vacuum will get filled by people who want to do the job. Even if it's people who need to do the job, hell, the U.S. government would probably send National Guard in to drive the trucks to cities if that's what it came down to. First of all, not all truckers are Republicans. And second, we would just take over. You know, the U.S. government would fill in the gaps and do what needed to be done to make sure everybody was supplied. Also, um, there's a lot of economic power that comes out of large cities. A lot of trade deals done between different countries. We're, as a country, we're benefited greatly by the existence of New York City, Los Angeles, and other places like that. Big cities are massively useful to the U.S., to us personally. So that boycotting idea is ridiculous at its face. Not only would it never work, it would probably hurt them more than it hurt us. When we come back, we're going to talk about a bizarre anti-atheist rant from the wife of God's Not Dead actor Kevin Sorbo, Sam Sorbo. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
Do you guys remember the guy Kevin Sorbo? He was in the old Hercules TV show back in the 90s, I think. This is what he looked like back then in Hercules. He's been memed countless times. He famously was such a terrible actor while playing Hercules that, so he's doing his dialogue and all that, and then he just stands there and yells, Disappointed! Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! It was ridiculous, dude. Anyway, it was so comical. Um, this show, I actually, I used to watch this show back in the day. Here's a picture of Hercules standing next to who I believe is Xena Princess Warrior. I watched Xena Princess Warrior too when I was like fucking five with my dad and my brothers. It may be an absolutely awful show. Looking back on it, it was it definitely sexualized her heavily, and I probably shouldn't have been watching it at the time. But yeah, it is what it is. I watched the show. So anyways, that's who Hercules is. That's who Kevin Sorbo is. He played Hercules in the 1990s in that show. Later on, the guy went on to play this atheist teacher in the movie God's Not Dead. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but... It is some of the cringiest shit ever. They pretty much make fun of atheists in a backhanded way by making all kinds of ridiculous scenarios play out. Things that atheists absolutely would never do in a million years. Like, the, he was an atheist professor at a college, and he was forcing his students to sign a contract saying that they don't believe in God. Why would anybody do that why would any professor on the fucking planet do something that stupid so this one christian kid feeling persecuted refused to sign this contract and he was gonna fail the class as a result as if that would be legal as if anybody would even want to do that so anyways uh, middle 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 the atheist professor gets hit by a car in the end and one of the pastors that's been fighting this lawsuit this whole time to force the professor to not fail the student for not signing the contract. When the professor gets hit by a car, that pastor is there, and the atheist professor professes his love for Jesus in his last moments alive and gets saved in the nick of time and goes to heaven instead of hell. It's just so stupid. Oh my God, is it stupid. So anyways, uh, God, I'm just like laughing, thinking about how ridiculous it is. So yeah, that was Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo played the atheist teacher. And as it turns out, the guy is like giga religious. He is ultra religious, omega religious, if you will way, way over the top. And some of his tweets are kind of fucking out there, honestly. Let's switch to the twit and see if we can find any interesting tweets from this guy. All right, so this is Kevin Sorbo on Twitter. Raise your hand if you're more concerned about losing your constitutional rights than you are about COVID. Yeah, so we know what we're getting into right from the start. This is his pinned tweet. 200,000 likes. My God, dude. This guy has 710,000 followers. That is, that's 709,000 more than he deserves. 
Guys, Joe Rogan is not a scientist. Don't take what he says seriously. Coming up next, the Jonas Brothers and Big Bird reminding you to get your vaccine. Yeah, he's obviously mocking people on the left for, like, saying that Joe Rogan shouldn't be listened to, but we want the Jonas Brothers and Big Bird to be listened to. Um, Spreading the message of a scientist is not the same as contradicting scientists. So the Jonas Brothers and Big Bird are disseminating the message that scientists have vetted and want people to hear. Joe Rogan is directly contradicting scientists without having any formal scientific training as far as I know. Here's another. Six feet apart is very important in the airport, but on the plane you can be shoulder to shoulder and have a dozen or more people closer than six feet. Makes perfect sense. He's desperately trying to poke holes in this whole thing. Six feet apart is the ideal. Some situations don't allow for that. We can't shut down air travel because COVID is going on right now. After the second year, we can't. We can't shut down air travel for it. So we do our best. We do what we can, and we understand that there's risk involved, and people who may be vulnerable to it shouldn't go out. We're just doing what we can, and he's desperately trying to poke holes. But oh, he's advertising his memo i don't know what memo is i assume it's like cameo kind of yep it looks like it's probably kind of like cameo i don't know why he's using memo instead of cameo maybe it's the jesus version of cameo what is your fair share of what someone else has worked for well let's see um did you go to a college that's funded by the government do you drive on the roads that the government built to get to that college to get to your interviews and your auditions and your work if you are using things that the government has provided your fair share is owed to the government you owe money to the government for using those services. That's how a society works. If you don't want to pay your fair share, that's totally fine. Get the fuck out. Go somewhere else. Don't use the roads that I paid for and that every one of us paid for. Don't use our roads or our colleges or any of that other shit. You have no right to it if you're not paying your fair share. So there's your answer. What is your fair share of what someone else has worked for? Other people worked for the roads. So, obviously, you are taking it without paying for it, and that upsets me. No more masks enough already. Yeah, so, clearly, he's on an anti-science kick. Every person elected to any government office takes an oath to uphold the Constitution. Isn't it amazing how most of them don't uphold it? That's a message most people can agree with, which is why the one before it has 14,000 likes, the one after it has 7,000 likes, and this one has 43,000 likes, because it's something that you can agree with whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Rudolph changes name to Rolanda dominates female reindeer games. Anyways, you know what kind of person he is by now. I, I honestly don't need to torture myself with more of this. But I wanted to kind of look through his AMA on Reddit, his Ask Me Anything. I am the real Hercules and the first captain, after Captain Kirk, on Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. I'm also the really mean professor on God's Not Dead and Gojin Pai on Mythica. Kevin Sorbo, Ask Me Anything. Never heard of the last one. My latest project's the first episode of a three-movie series, Mythica, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's new. That's why I haven't heard of it. Starting out a Reddit AMA by pointing out you were an anti-atheist movie? That's a bold move. Yes, exactly. That is a bold move. Let's see how this plays out. 
and dissing Captain Picard. Not cool, bro. Reddit is brutal sometimes. Needlessly brutal for no reason. It's really actually wrong how Reddit acts sometimes. Fucking disgusting, honestly. Shows the absolute disgusting nature um, of humans on occasion. Reddit does. And other social media too, but Reddit does it even worse. Why did you choose to do a movie like God's Not Dead? I just read the Wikipedia summary for this hilariously pandering film, and it doesn't surprise me that he took the role. I guess atheists don't have a moral barometer. There isn't a single non-believer character in this script that puts atheists in a flattering light. All of them actively work to complement the whole why do you hate me for believing mantra this movie panders toward. They're just bad caricatures. Exactly. It's a poorly written script. It's a poorly acted and directed movie. There's nothing good or realistic about it in any way. The only thing that God's Not Dead does is play into the Christian persecution complex. That is it. And it's not just traditional Christian persecution complex either. It's far-right evangelical Christian persecution complex, a very specific version of Christian. Kylie's great-grandmother actually watched the movie and didn't like it, though she was deeply, deeply Christian because she saw how absolutely outrageous it was. Deep Christians can look at this movie and see it for what it is, fucking nonsense. Here's another analysis on the God's Not Dead movie by this person. People called this months ago. The trailer alone just reeked of naive and misguided, my prayers went unanswered theories as to why people stop believing and don't think anyone is surprised that this is the crutch the entire production came to lean on. This person asks, why did you choose to do a movie like God's Not Dead? Good question. It's an AMA on Reddit, right? In response, somebody said, Hello, my name is Ramses, and I'll be your cricket for the night. I've chosen a selection of music for solo violin, including several pieces that incorporate artistic silence for effect. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I.e., the dude's not going to answer the question. Because, in my opinion... Kevin Sorbo is a complete embarrassment. Can you explain the whole disappointed thing? Oh, okay. So I'll insert a clip of that. Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! He actually answers this. He says, ha ha ha, yes, there was an episode of Hercules where I played the Sovereign, and he's sort of an alter ego bilateral universe version of Hercules, and he's the evil Hercules. And many fans of the show thought that when I yelled out disappointed in that episode that I misread the script. The script didn't say anything. I had a line before that. I said, wait a minute, this isn't my world, because I ended up in Hercules' world. And then I went disappointed the way Kevin Klein does. I ad-libbed on the show a lot. Michael Hurst and I would both throw in lines, words, whatever. And I'm a big fan of a fish called Wanda, and Kevin Klein would yell out disappointed when he was disappointed in the movie, so it seemed to make sense at the time, and they kept it in, and it went viral. People thought I said something wrong, and I love it. I'll take the press either way. Okay, fair enough. Um, he did actually say something wrong. It didn't fit in there at all. It was completely ridiculous for him to have said disappointed in that moment. But, uh, you know, if he's owning it, I'm happy with that. That's cool. Did you or your PR people know what Reddit was and how disastrous this could go? That's a really good question. And I have to imagine he didn't ever get an answer to it. It only has 245 upvotes. It doesn't appear to have any responses from Kevin Sorbo. But, yeah. 
extremely bad idea. It was a very bad idea to do an AMA on Reddit. I didn't even search for like the controversial ones. I totally could have found the controversial ones. It didn't have to be bad. It could have been great press for him, but he bitched out and avoided the tough questions. If I've learned one thing about people, AMAs are a representation of this fact. We might not like nor agree with you, but we want a reason. Had he have manned up and answered the questions, there would have been no problem. The negative comments would have faded and he could have gotten so, so much good press. But by not answering, i.e. dodging them, they became louder and louder and louder. So loud, in fact, that all you could see now when looking at this thread are the resounding comments of people pissed, bitching, and mad. Yeah, I guess the AMA didn't go well for him. I'm not really seeing many here, though. So I, I probably have to log in, and I don't feel like doing that, so fuck it. Anyway, that is Kevin Sorbo. I gave you guys a little bit of a primer on who he is. Well, his wife is really no different. Sam Sorbo is her name, and she made a guest appearance on the Flashpoint TV show, Flashpoint Network. It's owned by Kenneth Copeland, I believe, and he has a lot of his televangelist friends come on. So this is Sam Sorbo coming on the Flashpoint Network. Let's give it a listen and see what she has to say. Education is the three Fs, faith, family, and freedom. Mm. And there's only one way for them to get that, and that's to be with their parents. And so I'll say this, evolution doesn't give a crap about equality. Okay, hang on. There's only one way for them to get that, and that's to be with their parents? Is she saying that you should always homeschool your kids, everybody, all the time, always? That's kind of a weird take on it, right? And so I'll say this, evolution doesn't give a crap about equality. Evolution believes in inequality, okay? Okay, evolution doesn't believe in anything because it's a concept. It's not a physical thing that's like alive with a brain. So I'm really not sure what she's trying to get at here. Evolution is just a biological process that takes place over the course of anywhere from like seconds to millennia. I'm really not sure what she's saying here with evolution believes in inequality. If you're teaching your child evolution, you're teaching them slavery and inequality. Where is this coming from? Please give me something else. Explain further. I'm begging you. And now God is calling the remnant to fight and fight for what? For freedom, because Jesus Christ is the author of our freedom and evolution has nothing to do with that. Uh, okay, you're right. Evolution has nothing to do with freedom. I'm so completely and thoroughly confused by what she's trying to get at here. Well, she made an appearance at the Reawaken America conference. I talked about this recently. Greg Locke was there. So was Michael Flynn. A bunch of QAnoners. They had a bunch of QAnoners. Matter of fact, why don't we take a look at their member list? So this is the Reawaken America tour. These are the people that they had there. It's basically far-right QAnon tour. They go around all the... Uh, I'm sorry. They go all the way around the country, setting up shop and having speakers appear and give speeches there. Mike Lindell, Michael Flynn, um, Sidney Powell. Trying to pick out the most notable ones here. Uh, Greg Locke. Andy Wakefield. You guys remember Andy Wakefield? That's the guy that originally published that article on the link between vaccines and autism forever ago, like back in the late 90s, early 2000s. 
that's who that is. And it got like retracted and he had his medical license stripped because there was no basis for it and everything. I can't believe they had him. That's fascinating. Yeah, they have a whole bunch of real high profile people here. Really high profile people. Roger Stone, and I believe they got Eric Trump, and they also got Charlie Kirk. So very, very important people who want to be connected to QAnon to some degree, but don't want to outwardly come out as QAnon. They just want to ride off the success of the movement, basically. So Sam Sorbo shows up at Reawaken America to give a talk. This is early December 2021. Let's give it a listen. But I pulled my son out of school in second grade because they weren't educating him. They were training him a little. It wasn't going well. Okay, so she pulled her son out of school because they weren't educating him. I simply disagree, madam. I simply disagree. That is the purpose of a school, to educate people. They were, in fact, educating him. Whether you like what they had to say or not, that's another story. I have to imagine he was in a private school, though, right? They wouldn't send their kid to, like, a, a public school. I mean, they're giga-famous and giga-rich. I would think that it was a private school. I don't know. And I started to question, what was, what was the final result going to be? He was learning how to be a bully. Because, let's face it, in school, they teach you evolution what is evolution survival of the fittest uh no okay survival of the fittest is a single line from a book written like 200 years ago that is not what evolution is there is so much to the field of evolution to the theory to the fact of evolution, there is so much to it. It has nothing to do with survival of the fittest. And honestly, she's completely misinterpreting what that means in the first fucking place. Oh yeah, and evolution caused him to be a bully. Fascinating. So that's the excuse she used for why her son is a shithead. Okay. Got it. Of the fittest, and what is that? That's bullying. No! It's not. It has nothing to do with bullying. A fundamental misunderstanding here. She has no idea what evolution is. She has no idea, obviously. Christians have no business sending their children to public school. She is desperately trying to isolate Christians from the rest of society, and that may actually be the more concerning bit here. Well, I guess it's better than trying to go into the school boards and take them over and modify the curriculum like our old friend Rick Scarborough was doing, right? And our goal is to get 2,000 pastors who will be patriot pastors of Texas once again, who will take over their local school boards, not to take it over, but the Christians in offices, teach their people that they should run for those local offices, and if they get excited about that, we'll sweep right through every election coming up. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a Christocrat. That's fucking concerning. At least she's not doing that. At least she's not pushing to replace school boards with, you know, Christian extremists or whatever. At least she's just saying, I'll keep the kid home. Although I would be tempted to say that depriving your... Look, I'm an ex-homeschool student. It was a bad experience from my background as an as a homeschool student i think i would be willing to say it's very easy to turn a homeschooling situation into an abuse situation for the simple fact that 
A child needs social interaction. It needs social interaction. And if you're not providing ample opportunity for that, it is very easily an abusive situation, really. The Christian thing aside, just homeschooling in and of itself can be a horrifically bad idea. That's just the way I view it, and it's certainly colored by my experiences with it, but I still think that it could easily become a really, really bad thing. And being as extreme as Sam Sorbo is in the first place, I can't imagine that her kid is having an easy time making friends, being from such an extreme family like that. And that makes it all even worse. I have to imagine the kids having a similar experience to what I had. And that just breaks my fucking heart, man. I'm so sorry. So that was Sam Sorbo at the Reawaken America conference. There's another clip of her going on Flashpoint. Again, this one was on Kenneth Copeland's channel, his network or whatever. This is from early May 2021. Give this a listen. The greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince the world that he didn't exist, right? No, no, I, I'm contesting that. I'm not even sure what you're talking about, but let me put my Christian hat on for a second here, and let's just play pretend. I would say the greatest trick the devil ever played would be getting Eve to eat the apple? Question mark? But that wasn't even Satan that did that, was it? It was just a plain old regular run-of-the-mill snake that apparently had feet and could talk because God cursed the snake to crawl on its belly for all its days after playing that trick on Eve. So it must have had feet leading up to that, right? And it doesn't say it was Satan. It says it was a snake. So yeah, uh, I guess scratch that. Um, I don't have an answer to the, the greatest trick Satan ever played on people. Maybe she's right. Let's keep listening. The greatest trick that the atheists ever played was- That's me. Let's see what the greatest trick that I ever played on anybody was. She knows. Atheists ever played was to convince us that they don't believe in God. They do. They believe in God. I do. Okay, interesting. Let's hear the reasoning for that, Sam Sorbo. They believe they are God. And guess what? They're a jealous God. That's why you can't go to church. Okay, interesting. I love how she's framing being a jealous God as a negative thing when the Bible explicitly says that Yahweh is a jealous God, right? But, you know, just throw that shit out. Doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit. We're going to pretend that doesn't exist at all. No, I don't believe that I'm God in any stretch of the imagination. I don't believe that there is a God. And I think what you just said was completely ridiculous. You know, we could safely laugh this off and ignore it if it weren't for the fact that she is going on the Reawaken America tour. That's a little bit concerning to me. So we should definitely keep our eye on Sam Sorbo and see what she does with her newfound career as a Christian extremist. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.